to the Thursday episode of the 905er podcast and the 905 Roundup. I am Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And we've got a couple of good stories today, and it's, 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 um, well, it's the rotten boroughs, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> um, let's, well, the big story out of Mississauga, uh, we were bemoaning a couple of weeks ago that we found it difficult to get to hear about some of important things happening in some of the nine other five cities, but uh, a big story has certainly hit in Mississauga and an important one. Um, Joel, why don't you uh, tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so in Mississauga, uh, Councillor Karen Ross, I should say former Councillor Karen Ross, as she's resigned, resigned basically uh, over excessive bullying. Yeah, the, the CBC is reporting that uh, Basically, her car was vandalized in the in the city hall parking venue area for for councilors, the reserve area, um, and that over eight times over two years over the last two years, and that the uh, the police the CBC is reporting that the police identified uh, her comrade, her 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 colleague, fellow councilor Ron Starr, as the the lead suspect in the vandalism. The, the, the shocking story is that. You know, the, the, the supposed integrity commissioner for the city of Mississauga did absolutely nothing to address address her concerns. Uh, the mayor's office did nothing to address the concerns. Um, the, mayor Crombie was saying that she was cooperating, uh, although I'm not entirely certain what with what if the integrity commissioner wasn't doing the investigating. I mean, I guess she was cooperating with the police investigation. But in the end... Yeah, Karen Ross decides that she basically says, well, you know, I've had enough of this. I'm out. I'm done. Why Why am I doing this? And she's resigning, which... Yeah, and she resigned uh, like a month month ago before this, yeah. this story came out. So she, she I mean, quit um, for, for no and, and made no bit of announcement. What's happened and the fact that the counsel in question star was allegedly caught on video doing this. Yeah. Um, the, well, what, I mean, I, I'm not going to get into the, the, the he said, she said about it because, I, I mean, it is an investigation. The police are, Peel Regional Police are investigating it. But I think that where we, we kind of caught wind of this is the fact that it's the integrity commissioner is an office that is enabled underneath law to invest, investigate breaches of conduct by fellow counselors. I mean, that the, the murkiness of it, you can't really fire there's no mechanism to fire a city councilor or a mayor. Like there's no there's no party caucus. There's no there's no leader uh, uh, discipline. There's no party whip office or anything like that. It's entirely kind of an honor code system at municipal at the municipal level. So this integrity commissioner is supposed to be the the way for everybody to police themselves, and it, the system just completely failed. Uh, former councilor Ross. Yeah, I, I don't understand the point where police or whoever said to the city okay we've got we've got pictures of, of one of your councillors keying another councillor's car at that point there is only one the next course of action is well first i probably you know then immediately hold the vote on on uh, asking the councillor to to take a leak and vote on that it's up to him to take that um we do but but also then to immediately pass it to the integrity like clearly that didn't happen. and as a result um a councillor is clearly a victim in the whole thing has resigned and is no longer serving her. That's a big deal, you know. And and Bonnie Crombie is. I just find the quote here. You know, I, um, over the last few days, I've reflected deeply on this. Should have done more for Karen. And yeah, no kidding. Um, I mean, if you knew 
that this was just, you know, there's very serious allegations with very clear, according to what's in the CBC, you know, some fairly clear evidence being involved. Uh, you've got to act, you know, and you've got to defend, you've got to defend the victims of bullying and harassment. Uh, I- uh, I mean, there's they, been they, rumours, I understand, that, that Mississauga has, as so many councils, uh, and I mean, actually, my initial tweet on this last week was, you know, welcome Mississauga to the, to the, to the long list of dysfunction 905 council. And the rumour is that, that, you know, there's been some ongoing toxicity. It tends not to be seen in the council chamber in Mississauga, but between councils away from, away from them. Um, but yeah, it's all too familiar and elsewhere. Well, it, it the, raises a question really of, how, you know, are these people above reproach? I mean, that's the, the question, what kind of attitude would, or a culture would per, be permitted that a counselor feels it's permissible to go and key your colleague's vehicle? Because I presume over some kind of political disagreement i don't i I can't imagine what would qualify uh that that level of of uh of action but i mean that's the thing i mean it's supposed to be this is politics you might not agree with everyone around the table but at the end of the day you're supposed to work with them i find that it's it's shocking i mean what what gets me is the fact that you that a counselor has resigned like literally they've been bullied and intimidated out of public office that that to me is, is frightening in our democracy that somebody is able to to intimidate a a fellow elected colleague to just say just have them say well screw this this the job's not worth it the 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 price that i'm paying for this job is not worth it i'm out i'm done and quite frankly no i don't blame her i really don't it's clear that no and 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 it it it, um sorry i just cut you off there um (laughs) uh but it fits a pattern of um, the greatest toxicity often, I'm not saying always, but very, very often, the greatest displayed by some older male yep. white university counsellors towards younger, newer uh, female counsellors. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's completely legitimate to point that out. I mean, I've, I've seen it kind of with my own eyes. We're seeing it kind of with our own eyes in Hamilton at the moment, mm-hmm. in that the counsellors who are least popular with the incumbents are uh, newer and uh, fresher faces uh, are both both women in terms of more, um, Maureen Wilson and man um, to extent I think we saw it too in in Burlington where uh, Marianne Mead Ward for a long time was was you know on on the receiving end of some incredible levels of toxicity uh, directed at her which you know again it's okay to disagree with your colleagues it's, it's okay not to like your colleagues um, but um, this, it, this, is a, this is a different level. Really this is, this is not. Yeah. This is not a. This is not a simple disagreement. This is intimidation. This is. Um, this is political intimidation, and it, it, it is unacceptable in any shape, way, or form. It's, it's unacceptable that it is by white men directed at women. I mean, it's it's misogyny. It's political misogyny, if you want. Uh, if you want to call, call it up, it, it's just it's so it's it just really upsets me, and it just really gets me the wrong way that this would be allowed to happen. And the, the fact that the supposedly the mechanisms to stop this completely failed. And at some point, that that's where it takes real political leadership to say, this isn't right. We need to stop it. And the thing, the thing is, if the mayor knew about it, it does come back to her because she I mean, if you think about it, she's the she's the chair of the board. She's the chair of of city council. She's the one who has to referee. She chairs the meetings. She has to referee the the meetings, keep the agenda going, keep the city on uh, the city council on 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 the business of the city. Why wouldn't she exercise her power, the power that she does have, to 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 kind of discipline 
uh, uh, Ron Stark. And that's the thing: if she does, if they don't, if the city councils are incredibly weak, then my God, like how how does anything ever get done? Yeah, we saw this in Hamilton with with the uh, Terry Whitehead story, in which you know after after being away from council for a year, he came back as then. Uh, finally reprimanded for you know, in regard to uh, the way he dealt with staff. You know, council didn't want to do it. His hand was kind of forced. Uh, you know, several councillors had jumped to his defence, um, but were kind of forced, if I'm remembering rightly, by the Integrity Commissioner in Hamilton's uh, judgment to kind of then you know, say, okay, well, yeah, fine, we'll we'll punish him. It's it's councillors, councils, sorry, do a really bad job of kind of policing themselves, unfortunately. Well, and um, maybe and, and maybe that's the that's the fault of the structure of council. Like, the, if you think about it, the council is meant to be some kind of you know we, we don't we don't encourage party politics to get in there, kind of for good reasons. But I'm you know in a case like this, uh, a party politics a, a party structure would help immediately because if you have a, if you have a caucus, uh, it's it's the easy. Will fight. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing: if you're if, embarrassing if it, them, yeah. But if it, if you do have a caucus of you know two or three. It's easy to discipline, discipline the, that the the lone rogue wolf. If they if they aren't, then they, they're all kind of held accountable. Um, it is it, it, this. I think we're just. I think we're seeing across the nine five. This role of integrity commissioner is incredibly uh, ham fisted and weak. It is. It's. It's a. It's an. It was created as almost as an afterthought rather than an actual way to police and 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 maintain decorum. I mean, we, we've seen, as you said, we've seen in Hamilton, it goes, they use it to go after uh, citizen volunteers. We've seen it used kind of as an afterthought when outside political pressure says, now we really need to look at the conduct of a, of a, of a city councilor. Here in Mississauga, it, it was, we don't know why it wasn't used, but it wasn't used for two years. And that is, that's deeply troubling. And it, it tells me that this is one of those roles that, uh, it provides cover to elected officials because they get to say, oh, I can't do anything. The integrity commissioner is investigating. And two, uh, they're completely useless entities. Like they, they, at the end of the day, they, they get turned over to um, they get turned over to the, the decision making gets turned over to the city council. And the city council gets to debate it and go back and forth and all this stuff. And they get to ultimately decide to reprimand a council or not. I, I think yeah, and I, I don't think they're inherently that I don't think it, it's a requirement. I don't think it's they could. They can do a good job. <laughs> Territory commissioners can, and I think they vary in quality. I think what we saw in Hamilton was the appointment of an integrity commissioner who was a former employee of the city. It's like, well, that that's iffy right there. And the other thing is, it's like, um, you know, these are private businesses who are wanting to keep their contracts going. The, well, they don't have to the be. The temptation private. with... They don't have to well, be no, a, I mean, a, a, a contract. But they're yeah. in essence a consultant of the city. And like consultants, I often feel whenever I look at um, the, the endless supplies of consultants who work with municipalities, um, it's amazing how often they give the result that the council wanted right. to get when they appointed them. <laughs> you know? So uh, and I'm not saying there's anything deliberate there. I just think that's the way that the human mind tends to work. Um, See, here, here's uh, where I look at, like I look at this, Coming back to Mississauga, I look at this and say, okay, so if Councillor Ross is coming out of her office, going home each day, and she's finding her car keyed up in the parking lot, at a certain point, you can go to the police and say, investigate it. You, we have security cameras in there for our safety. Go check the tapes. See who's doing it. The police will say, yeah, we're going to say it's Councillor Ron Starr. That's who we think it is. Okay, great. Present the evidence. 
and you take it to the city council and say we're gonna we're I want I I want to reprimand the the this counselor. You know, you can do it. You can strip him of any. You can't remove him from office, but you can't say you don't get to sit on any on any, any committees, and your voting is very conditional. They, um, Toronto City Council did it to Mayor Rob Ford. They stripped him basically to basically of his powers down to a bare minimum. Like it was almost like a shadow mayor by the end of his uh, his term uh, for his conduct. So you can the city can do it. It ultimately is. You have to you have to kind of pressure the city, your fellow council to say we need to act on this and do it in a public and transparent manner. I guess my problem with the in these integrity commissioner offices is that they've trans and at least in the nine hundred five our end of the nine hundred five they transform into a political cover for not doing anything. I mean let's let's face it. I I don't, I don't think Ron Ron Starr if if he is guilty of it uh, allegedly whoever did it did it because they said I can get away with it. I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to be uh, uh, held to account because I'll just say this: the integrity commissioner just twiddles his thumb and spins his wheels, and as I, we're always in, a, in an investigation for however long until the next election, and then oh, we drop that and we move on. So it, it, it's it's a political cover machine, is what these things turn into. It's the same as uh, the ethics commissioner offices that we see in in the in the in the federal government. They don't do anything. They don't. They're there to provide political cover and political ammunition for uh, opposition members to go after the government of the day. That's all they are, and they're tax-funded uh, vehicles too. Well, it's uh, end of rant. It's totally good. <laughs> yeah, end of rant. I mean, yeah, I, I something is not right. I mean, it's, something is seriously not right here with this specific. Something is generally not right. Uh, and I know we spoke to Joey Coleman a few months ago, about, probably about six months ago now, and he spoke to the need for kind of like a province-wide ombudsman. Uh, mm. You know, much much tighter control over council behaviour, and I really think we do need something like that because it it's. Yeah. I'm trying to find the city hall in Ontario that isn't kind of messed up one way or the other, um, and it, and it comes back to things. You know, we're seeing the same things again and again and again. Toxic councils, just shoddy behaviour, um, behaviour that shoddy behaviour that is clearly not acceptable. Just being not dealt with in anything like if, a, a if this way. was if this was held uh you know pick any fortune 500 company if this came out uh this was happening at a board table um i guarantee you that board member would be remo- removed from their office uh before the end of the day uh and, no, then, and the bottom line is this like is it is if it came out if it came out in mississauga the fact yeah. is it didn't come out until too late um right. you know if this story had not been basically hidden until the the councillor resigned um uh, it would have been entirely different why on earth was it was it not made public it should have been it would have helped everybody involved if it was public you know what let's uh let's call it a break there uh for our sponsor and then we will talk about more things that should be made public uh, after our break and we're back so roland we were talking about things kept behind closed doors uh, in municipalities, what other municipality has been keeping things hidden behind closed doors in the 905? <laughs> well, um, it seems to be a bit of a developing theme in Burlington. Um, there's some big decisions are made behind closed doors um, for a variety of reasons, some of which are, are unavoidable, just just the way the law works. A huge number of decisions in Burlington end up getting made um, behind closed doors when it's to do with development. And it's because things get appealed, then once you, once you're appealed, it's a legal situation. 
Uh, but what that means is that the councillors are not on the record um, or held accountable for the decisions they make regarding development, which is the issue that most of them were elected on. Certainly a significant number of them were elected on. So that's been secret um, all the way from uh, 2018 um, and made worse by the... Um, or exacerbated by by the situation with the downtown um, interim control bylaw, because um, it, it just meant that everything was appealed or ignored. But we're also seeing... Um, some really big decisions about um, finan- financial uh, outlays, you know, big purchases of property, also happening um, entirely behind closed doors. And you know, while, while um, in-camera meetings are, are a normal part of council routine, some things have to be done that way. The extent to which they're used, and the extent to which they are used as a kind of blanket way to stop any information coming out to the public about what the city is planning to do is new i think and uh, so i mean i, I uh, wrote an article today on 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 our website fiverr uh, 905.ca uh, um uh, about the um the announcement yesterday by the city that it's moving to the next uh, steps in its plans to purchase bateman the former bateman robert bateman high school um now bateman was was declared um surplus by um the Halton district school board back in 2017 um that was a whole huge controversy at the time um that um anybody who was involved in it, even in the smallest way will remember well um basically it was kind of like a fight for which school gets closed and, and bateman lost um won't get into the rights and wrongs of that, but that that's the background of why the school is is why the property is now basically up for sale by the school board. Um, this is not the first time that, that this kind of decision has been made by City Council. Back in two thousand and nine, uh, the former um, General Brock uh, High School uh, was uh, a portion of the lands there were purchased by the city for nine million dollars, and that followed like a huge and very lengthy public discussion and debate about whether the city should use you know, a big chunk of money to buy lands to keep them in perpetuity for the city uh, or, or whether the uh, whether they should give up that chance and run the risk that the land is uh, is developed highly likely so we've got the same thing here said instead of nine million we're dealing with xxx million uh, and probably in you know um the tens of millions of dollars, I think, is highly likely because they're buying not just land but also property. Plus, it's well over a decade of uh, real estate price rises um, in the interim. So we're dealing with a big chunk of money that the city is committing to to spend um, that is, you know, just not receiving any proper public analysis or assessment because it's been done in in camera meetings well this is also uh, and it's, it's actually not, i was just gonna say we, we, there's also a, a, a footnote on this story as well that mo- recently the city has also per- made a major purchase of a downtown uh park uh from from a private uh shareholder line the lions club owned a, a sizable piece of land down in the downtown core the city recently purchased it now they got a deal for it because of an agreement made back i believe into 2017 as well uh with the Lions Club there, however, uh, you know that, that that's a major purchase that just happened. Like the city's going kind of going on this buying spree uh, around the 
around uh, around yeah, the city. Yeah, with very pu- very little public knowledge, right. very little public uh, debate. No real. And uh, part of this is down to the situation with the media in in the nine oh five as a whole. Um, that maybe these series stories. Uh, COVID doesn't help. It doesn't help that council meetings are not like council meetings used to be. They're being held on Zoom. Um, the public as a whole seems to have kind of given up on um, on delegation uh, to a large degree. Um, so the the kind of uh, you know, the city's kind of getting an easy ride right now, but is also doing a good job of kind of hiding things away from dealers. So, we have, so we're told that there was a discount on the Lions Club land. Awesome. What was it? And what? But what was that? What is that land worth now? I mean, we know that right across the road from that uh, parquet is uh, going to be a. I can't remember how tall, but it's a significant high rises going up across there. The land values in in Ward Two in downtown Burlington are very very high. So even at a discount, that's a big chunk of money that, that right. they probably spent for that land. And again, there's no doubt that the public will have wanted to keep that park. However, just saying the public wants it and the public should get it and the public would accept the cost and the price of it are all three very different things. Well, um, So but, when there's no public oversight and no public discussion of these things, the other- we're not really doing a good job of, 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 of acting in the public interest. The other aspect of the story that, that caused us to kind of our ears to perk up was the, the fact that the city is looking to go into its reserve funds to, to purchase this, this plot of land, the Robert Bateman site, which this seems to be an an uncomfortable theme popping up at Burlington city council is dipping into the reserve funds. Now the reserve funds is meant for an emergency. It's meant for uh, situations kind of like if uh, listeners of the 905 are, might remember in Burlington a few years ago there was a there's uh, unexpected flooding in the eastern part of the city uh, that caused a lot of damage and and needed to be a lot of maintenance and repair work needed to be done to uh, city infrastructure to um, to fix that as well as uh, there was a lot of property damage to uh, homeowners uh, that the city chipped in a bit to to help alleviate that that I believe would have come out of some of the reserve fund. At least that's what the reserve fund would be intended for. It's not meant to be dipped into to buy land on a whim. Uh, and I do think it's on a whim because I, there's been no consultation about, about this. There's no public debate. There's no public forums. There's no there's no timeline to say, can we get public uh, a feel for what the public wants? I mean, if you say, hey, do you want to buy green space and keep a park land that you've been enjoying everybody say yeah we want that say it's going to cost you 20 or 30 million dollars oh wait the other and the other the other side of this deal is yeah you can have that but you might risk losing LaSalle Park next year right because that's the next huge um, thing story whatever decision that is heading towards this council is that they need to find solution with Hamilton over LaSalle Park. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Burlington, LaSalle Park is is a a very nice, much-loved park on Burlington Bay. Um, There's a a marina there as well. Uh, Lots of events happen there in the summer. There's a uh, a venue. Uh, The lands actually belong to Hamilton, dating back to when Hamilton actually included what's now uh, Aldershot, which is part of Burlington. And when Burlington got Aldershot, Hamilton kept that land in its ownership and uh, and subsequently leased the land to Burlington for a dollar a year. Now that kind of long-term lease, which was agreed in the 80s, is coming to an end in three. Um, so this year is the year they need to find a solution. It doesn't help that there's an election. And um, you know, th- there's already been kind of, you know, 
in in uh, 2020 there was a, a motion passed by the council that I mean I think you can kind of interpret as you know pay up Burlington where where Hamilton directed staff to look at its options its other options including you know selling developing doing whatever it wants with that land um, so. You know, if you've already dipped into the reserve funds, because no doubt that land is worth a lot of money. There's no land. Um, there's no land in Burlington that is not worth a lot of money. Oh well, yeah. Like, let's, let's be honest <laughs> here. Like that they, also they, is true. They, I understand that. They, I know. I know that the plan, at least according to the media released by the city of Burlington, the plan is to have uh, uh, Brock University put part of its teaching college at the Robert Bateman site, but that'd just be one small portion. I mean, on the mayor's. Uh, website she posted a conceptual floor plan of what would be happening at robert bateman high one part of it is brock university another part would be city of burlington which i presume that's the part that would be uh that's already owned and run by the city of burlington that would be centennial pool uh there'd be a section that you could put uh the burlington uh, the burlington public library a wing or a, an office there a small place for the tech place which was it's a that that's a part with the Burlington Economic Development Council, if I'm not mis- uh, or committee, I'm not, I'm mistaken. Then a small section would remain in use for the Halton District School Board. Not sure what that is. And this is all proposed. Like not, no no contracts have been signed. No um, no no leases have been signed or, or fees agreed to yet. This is all up in the air. And that's to me, I, I find this is it, it sounds like it, it's a it's all good and whatnot. But you know. It, what happens in uh, uh, what uh, Mike? We were talking before. And I said I worry about like, what if Brock says, you know what, our program has expanded, you know, five years down the road. No, we need to leave. We 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 need a bigger place. Yeah, I mean they're leaving Hamilton, so why wouldn't they leave Burlington? Right. If, you know, circumstances change. Uh, someone made a good point on Twitter today that it's not it's not the worst place in Burlington to get to on public transit, but it's far from the best as well. So you know, if you're in a, as an education place for for students um, who currently are in downtown Hamilton, um, it's kind of, you know, a, a downgrade in terms of being um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, accessible by transit. Um, and, and the ultimate point about all this is, you know, we're just throwing lots and lots of what, a, what ifs, maybes, could this happen? We don't know, but that's the thing. Nobody knows because it's all being discussed in private. Um, these, all these questions should be discussed in the, op- in the open um, with, with an idea of what the cost is. I mean, frankly, I don't think what they're planning for that site is very exciting. So no. it's like Brock University te- teacher training college. You know, f- for whatever reason, every, every medium-sized city wants to have a bit of a university in it because it looks good and it makes everybody feel good. I think it's one of the most pathetic and childish things that cities do. Burlington's had this problem before with McMaster and it felt a lot of good at starting the city. Um, but whatever. So we get a little bit of Brock and we get to brag about that. It, we move the library, which is a small branch library in there. Well, that's just six of one, half a dozen. Um, you know, again, you're, you're moving from one plaza to, to another place. Um, and, and sure, I'm sure there would be other wonderful that would happen there. But is are those wonderful things worth the price tag? Yeah. Well, taking a big lump out of, out of uh, city reserves, you know, and, and sure, there there are reserve funds specifically for buying land when it becomes a. That's what it's there for. But you know, the city has already spent on this on this Bateman uh, project half of one of its my facts. It's already committed three million for preliminary Bateman work, um, due diligence, and exciting things like that. Uh, and that has come out. Oh, let me find the name for it here. The um, 
it was one of the capital reserve funds, the spirit of that. That three million amounts to over 50% of that entire fund, um, so which is currently at 5.9 million. Um, so there'll be 2.9 million left. Uh, again, and not saying with any of this that, that, that this is inherently a bad decision. What I'm saying is these aren't decisions that should just be made pretty much, you know, with the wave of a hand in, in, in a council meeting, with no public, uh, no real discussion, no real, um, you know, until, until, until today, not a lot of uh, coverage in media. Um, and, and it's part of a trend. We, we, we saw it with the Lions Club. We've seen it with, with other, you know, we saw it with the private. It feels like this, this, this city the, clerk is a lot happier to go into into private sessions than previous city well, clerks. We saw, were, we saw it with I, the the uh, the the pride uh, the rainbow flag crosswalk uh, debate that happened last year. That everybody in Burlington was ecstatic for it. They were very much in favor for it. The mayor was tweeting out about how you know pick pick the spots for the crosswalks to go, and there were six or seven uh, sites across Burlington. They were all Ranked, picked and ranked and boom we got our, our, our crosswalk sites and then they came to okay let's authorize the payment and that turned into a, a bit of a kerfuffle where again the the idea of budging this over the course of a number of years so that you wouldn't get all the crosswalks at once you get them spread out over four or five years with each uh, city's yearly annual budget um we dipped into the in the reserve funds for that to pay for one massive uh, painting uh, campaign. And if we were, our listeners remember, uh, councillors, uh, uh, three ca- councillors were a bit besmirched or, or hinted at that they were against the crosswalks, when in fact they were more for the accountable, the, the fiscal accountability side of it. Uh, they didn't yeah, approve I mean, of the, the, the pay the structure. Mayor Mead Ward uh, posted a tweet which which kind of implied they'd voted against it when, when it was the, was the the way that the money was being uh, right, or the money, the money that was being used, um, uh, which is a real issue, and and I mean that's yeah, that's what I that's mean, something that the city council should be doing is qual- you know accountability of how are we spending our money uh, in our city. That I mean, the reserve fund is not a piggy bank for, to go shopping around. I, the fact is, yeah, the 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 Robert Bateman site is expensive to purchase. The idea of it back in the day, as you said in your article. Before my cares came in, the idea was that you could get it back for a dollar. You know, the the city the city would would sell the land to the school boards for a dollar, essentially. And then when if a school board wanted to was no longer going to use it, you sell it back to the municipality for a dollar. My cares changed those rules, and now that that land has to be sold at the fair market value. Well, the, as anybody in the nine hundred five knows, that fair market value is is not chump change. The fact of the matter is, we might have to just say nope. That's not going to happen. Maybe that's a provincial issue. Maybe that's something we should be taking up with uh, uh, the the current provincial government or with the NDP or the Liberals for the next uh, next provincial this upcoming provincial uh, election. But th- this is like this is this is serious. This is kind of what you're about is about making sure that you spend our money fiscally, prudently, responsibly. This isn't it. And especially the thing is, you don't do it behind closed doors. If you do it behind closed doors. Um, it's a to me. It's a sign that you you don't want a debate. And yeah, and, and I yeah. keep on coming back to the General Brock decision in two thousand nine under a council that I was no particular fan of. Uh, the Mayor Ham Jackson, many of the people who who uh, retired or lost their jobs in two thousand eighteen were in that council. I wasn't you know, not a huge fan. Um, however, 
that process over General Brock was, was very, very public. Um, uh, people were involved, people delegated, people, you know, the community got involved. There was discussion about, you know, this is what we'll have to add to the tax bill potentially to buy that land. Um, does the, is the community willing to have like a special fund, a special levy just to pay for that land? Mm-hmm. None of this is happening this time. It's just like, oh, no, no, we'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's going to be great. I'm not even sure that it is that great what's being proposed it's like it doesn't really set my world entirely alight I mean yeah for the right price it'd be fantastic but I I don't know this price is it what we want I just don't know the need of it like you you haven't even told me that this is an issue that the need to purchase the site is an issue that we need to to uh, uh, you know we really need to fight for like like we don't need we don't need I don't think the city needs the building for any purpose, and in terms of the green space, if you're afraid of a developer coming in and developing it into just a high rise, yeah, I get that, but you can put conditions in it that we want more green space there. Uh, I mean, and the green space of the land, so one chunk of it is is not up for sale, is Frontenac Park. One chunk of it belongs to Ascension Catholic Second Elementary School. That's not up for sale. Another ch- and a, another chunk of it is it is up for sale here. But the majority of the site has a building on it, so you know, maybe maybe the city should be buying the land, selling off the building to a developer because it's already built on, um, and using that, adding that green space to Frontenac Park. I don't know. Uh, you know, these are all things that, that that maybe should be discussed, but should not be discussed. I'm not saying that any of these things are right or wrong. It's the lack of discussion that that there's really the the sticking point, and and you know. It's not good enough. Uh, this council, you know, unlike actually Mississauga, which has been back in the council chamber for months and months and months, th- this council voted before Christmas um, to not even begin looking at the possibility of having in-person council meetings again, which seems, you know, the same mayor, by the way, voted uh, to ask that schools reopen on January the 7th, but she's not willing to, to sit in a council chamber with her colleagues and, and a couple of delegates, you know, spare me we can put up screens we can make that entirely safe and all the councillors are meeting people they're putting post pictures of them having dinner at the queen's head you know they're going out in public so what on earth is it about the council chamber that is still dangerous it's nonsense um so this kind of behavior which is frankly a bit shady and a bit dishonest um it's time that this was challenged and um you know well i'm challenging it i guess i guess we both are so uh yeah all right, I'd say that's where we should end uh, this episode uh, with a chal- challenge to the powers that be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, tuning in uh, this week for another uh, roundup. We'll be back next week with more uh, more of the 905er. Thanks, everyone, and take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.
Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.